the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. KSLR is proud to feature our Church of the Week. Our desire is that you'll get to know the pastors and churches in our community and find a church you and your family can call home. Here's the host of the Church of the Week program, Director of Ministry Development, Mark Longoria. Thank you once again for joining us here on AM 630 KSLR. You're listening to The Word in South Texas. My name is Mark Longoria. I'm the Director of Ministry Development here at the radio station, and this particular program is called Church of the Week. What we like to do is come out and uh, let you have an opportunity to to meet uh, great pastors that are in our community. We want to introduce to you great ministries. Uh, We've learned that a lot of people that listen to our station uh, love our station, and of course, we love the fact that you love our station. However, uh, we want to make sure that you're connected to a local body somewhere. We want to make sure that you have a church and that you have a, a pastor, someone that you can call your pastor, and, um, and um, you know, that you can still listen to our radio station, but that you do have someone you can go to that can uh, pray for you and encourage you and direct you and pastor you. And so this is why we have the Church of the Week. And this week, we are featuring Alliance Bible Church with Pastor Ken Cluck. And uh, welcome to the to the studio, Pastor. Thank you. Glad thank to be you, here. Yeah, thank you so much for uh, taking some time and being here with us. We want to make sure that people know who you are, what you're about. So before we get into the church and talk about all the different things that God's doing there, give us a little bit of a personal background so that people get to know okay. who you are. Well, I'm actually a native Texan. I grew up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I like to tell people I grew up in the small towns between Dallas and Fort Worth when there were small towns between Dallas and Fort Worth. (laughs) Now they've all just merged, huh? Right, before the cities just kind of grew over and squashed it all. Um, Grew up there, went to uh, high school in uh, Fort Worth. Um, As soon as I graduated from high school, went in the Army. Spent eight years in the Army as an infantryman. Part of that with the 82nd Airborne Division. Part of that over in Korea. Awesome. Um, after I got out, um, decided to get out because I felt the call into the ministry while I was living in Tacoma, Washington and doing, uh, on my own time in the evenings, I was doing, uh, I was, uh, an assistant youth pastor for a small Korean American church there in Tacoma and felt the call into the ministry, decided to get out of the army. And from then on was in uh, pastoral ministry of one sort or another. I've been in, uh, Colorado, uh, Montana, in Idaho, Washington, as I said, and also a brief time in the Metroplex in uh, in Texas. So when you say you, you felt a calling to ministry, tell us about that. How, how does that come mm. about? Uh, from the age of 12, it's funny, when I was first 12 years old, I remember uh, going to an evangelist meeting and really feeling the Lord wanted me to go forward as he was calling everybody to. But at the same time, I had a feeling in the back of my head that if uh, if I did that, God was going to make me be a preacher. Uh-huh. And I was very shy, didn't want to do that. The idea of getting up and speaking in front of people scared me to death. <laughs> uh, That's exactly what God puts you to do. <laughs> I, I was that one student that could not raise his hand if he was on fire in uh-huh. class. Uh, I just couldn't do it. And so the idea of preaching horrified me. Yeah. So I didn't go forward years later after... The Lord finally got a hold of me and uh, ended my running away from him. I uh, um, finally surrendered, and then he called me to ministry. 
it's hard to say in a way that people from various backgrounds understand. All I know is at one time during a time of prayer, I seemed to be seeing myself preaching mm-hmm. and knew exactly what I was doing and took that as being God is telling me um, that I was supposed to preach yeah. and interpret that as you want. But wow. I took that as the call, and I've had a lot of uh, time since then that I've had confirmation of that calling that I know it's what I'm supposed to be doing. Excellent. Where and how is always a different thing. I've yeah. I've ministered in various cultural backgrounds, um, spent time on two Native American reservations. One was the Northern Cheyenne Reservation wow. and one was the Nez Perce Reservation. And so a lot of time in those. Um, and you were there specifically for ministry? Spe- specifically as a pastor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, both were churches that had never been able to reach out to the surrounding tribe. Mm. They were mostly uh, Caucasian churches. And part of my role going there was, one, helping the churches, and two, helping them to bridge that cultural gap over to reaching the Native Americans. Excellent. So they had a history that made it hard to do that. How do you prepare to take on your first task as as pastor? Really, it depends on the church. Um, Some churches need a lot. I usually recommend to young pastors when they go into a church that if it doesn't need a lot, if it's a healthy church and things are fine— Leave everything alone for about 18 months, become part of the congregation, become part of the church, Mm -hmm. unless the church is in its death throes. Mm -hmm. If it's in danger, then you've got to start making some changes, but you've got to do those in a way that bring the people along. That's the hardest part. All of us have seen churches trying to change, and change is the hardest thing for a church. Mm -hmm. If you've been doing something one way a long time, and then you change it, it's almost as if you're admitting that you were doing it wrong. Yeah. And it's not that you were doing it wrong. It's just the world around you changed, sure. and you now have to do do ministry to that world in a different way. Well, we're creatures of habit. We like things we done are. a certain, we a certain way. We very every. much. Yeah. Very much so. People, so especially church-wise. Yeah. It become, you're right. It does become a little difficult to try to bring mm-hmm. some change. But there are seasons and, mm-hmm. and uh, winds of change, if you will. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so for someone that's listening right now on the radio that says, hey, that's me now, where I feel the calling, but I'm not there yet. What mm-hmm. do I do? How do I prepare? What, what advice do you have for them? I'd really recommend if somebody feels they're called into the ministry, uh, if they're sure of what ministry it is, the best way to do is approach somebody who's doing that. If they're not, the best way to prepare is actually to be found in your local church, in my view. You need a church that views the people in the pulpit, the people in the chairs, as ministers, not Mm -hmm. as the supporters of the ministry or the people who contribute to the ministry, but are ministers themselves. My favorite um, favorite passage when it comes to ministry and who does what is found in Ephesians 4 where it talks about that God gave gifts to the church That's and those right. gifts he lists as being apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. And the way he tells us in there is that those people that he has gifted with those abilities, their purpose is to teach God's people to do the works of the ministry is what exactly. it literally says. The ones who are the ministers are the members of the church. Mm-hmm. The others are, in effect, the professors or the teachers. They're, yeah. the, they're the ones to guide and lead them to do the ministry. Right. In a healthy church, the people are ministering. So if you really feel the Lord's calling you um, to be active in ministry, first thing you need to do is find a church that's going to let you minister yeah. and be part of that and be willing to submit to somebody who's been doing it longer and see how they do it. Um, some There is a place for submission. There's also a place for 
um, running ahead and doing it a new way. Yeah. Sometimes you work outside the box. Sometimes you have to find a way to squeeze yourself back into the box. Well, I want to touch on that a little bit on Ephesians because um, you mentioned it, and it's it's very key, very vital, very mm-hmm. important to to uh, to the expanding the kingdom of God. If God has given us a fivefold ministry so that we can equip the saints for the work of the ministry. I want you to speak to the people sitting in the pews, the people mm-hmm. that make up the church that are supposed to be the recipients of that call to be the ministers and go out into into their places, uh, their environments, the, their neighborhoods, their workplaces, and and preach the gospel. How can how can they uh, accept the call or swallow that pill? Because then, you know, quite frankly, I think you know that there are a lot of people that have been in, ch- in church, mm-hmm. have been saved for decades, maybe twenty, mm-hmm. thirty years. But really, haven't done anything other than they're hey, they're Sunday goers. They're there and they're faithful, right. you know, church attenders. But how can we get people out of that shell okay. and into actually doing what what God has called us to do in the work of the ministry? Some of that comes from realizing what God's God's actually called you to do and to be, um, and also what God has actually commanded and what He hasn't. Most people are surprised to find that from the time the average church service starts till the average church service ends, less than 10% of what's been done in the service is actually commanded in the New Testament. Mm. The majority are cultural things, are developments over history and through time. For example, what type of music we sing, Mm -hmm. whether we use instruments or not. All these different things are more cultural than commanded by Scripture. Mm. Even whether we have a certain style of preaching, whether it's expository preaching or topical, whether we um, are pre- just simply talking about the current events of the day, all these sorts of things. It's not really commanded in Scripture how we're supposed to do that. Right. It's just developed over time. So we actually have, I believe, a lot of leeway in being able to define ministry according to what's actually needed in order to reach people. When we do that, that means that we also need to look at our structures within the church and stop doing certain things. We, we have a tendency to look up at the pastor and say, there is the minister of our church. He is doing the ministry. Yeah. And actually, he's not. He's actually supposed to be doing preparation for others to minister. Equipping. Equipping them to minister. And he is not the minister of the church. The minister of the church, the person looking and sitting in the pew, should be able to hold up a mirror and look at it and in their own mind say, I am looking at a minister of this church. That's right. I am looking at a minister of Christ. Now, Pastor, what can you do to teach me how to minister? Right. What can you do to equip me and then also to free me and send me out? Which means a certain thing for the pastor as well. The pastor has got to stop looking at himself as being the minister of the church. Mm-hmm. It's going to have to be both ways. The person in the pew has to change their mind, their mindset, and the pastor behind the pulpit has to change his mindset and realize, I'm not the minister. Mm-hmm. I'm not the one who's going to reach the world. To be honest, the, the best way to reach people is through friendship evangelism. I, like mo- most pastors, have very few non-Christian friends. Mm-hmm. So if we're going to leave it up to the pastors to reach the world, the world's not going to be reached. Mm-hmm. The world is only going to be reached is when John and Jane in the pews get up and go out and meet their neighbors and tell them about Christ. And, re- and to do that, they need to realize they are a minister called and equipped, and to not do it is no different than somebody refusing the ministry that God has called them to do. Mm. And so once they realize their responsibility, 
learn to define themselves as what they're supposed to be, have leaders that define them as what they're supposed to be, and are willing to step out of the limelight and willing to step away and say, it doesn't have to be me and focused on me. Right. Instead, it should be focused on you and you reaching your neighbors. Then we can start to have more people in the chairs and the pews actually being active in ministry. Mm. Very good. Excellent, excellent word. And we encourage everyone that is out there to actually do that. I mean, I think uh, we've known a lot of people that um, have been in church but haven't been part of the ministry. Uh, they've been attending church but haven't really gone out there and made a change. We have all been given the Great Commission to go out and preach the gospel, not just pastors or, or fivefold ministers, but, uh, but every one of us as a, as a believer of Christ. Tell us a little, little bit about your church. What's going on uh, there at uh, Alliance Bible Church? Alliance Bible Church is a, uh, it's a small congregation. Um, everybody knows that, and everybody can tell by looking at it. It's small. It's been there for a long time. The church has been in its current location since the late 70s. The church has gone through quite a history, sometimes large, sometimes small. They recently went through some, uh, some personal things in the life of the church that have uh, had some effect and are being worked through, and are, the church has helped some of the people of the church to grow and to be stronger. Uh, churches have to go through problems just like families do and just like uh, individuals sure. do, and um, that happens in the life of every church eventually. And this is a de- denominational church. We're a member of a denomination. I like to say that we are as as close to non-denominational as you can get while still having the benefits of being in a denomination. Okay. The We're in an association known as the Christian Missionary Alliance. And one of our strict policies within the Christian Missionary Alliance is that we work with everybody who are true Christians. We're not worried about whether they're Baptist, whether they're Lutheran, whether they're Episcopalian. As long as they know Christ and love Christ, Mm -hmm. then we work with them. We actually have an assorted background. Um, The original board of the Christian Missionary Alliance were made up of people from all sorts of denominations, and all Mm -hmm. the original founders were. Um, It wasn't until the 70s that we legally even became a denomination. They preferred to just be called a society. We stress on world evangelism. We have what's what we call the fourfold gospel, which is Christ is our Savior, Christ is our healer, Christ is our sanctifier, and Christ is our coming king. So he saves us, and he's the only, sor- the only source of salvation. He also provides for healing today in the gospel. So we do believe in healing. We anoint people with oil for healing. Mm-hmm. We um, have believing prayer for healing. But at the same time, we still recommend people go to their doctor and do what's wise and mm-hmm. realize sometimes God heals through miracles. Right. Sometimes he uses the miracle of the doctor's education. Mm-hmm. We also believe that he calls us and wants us to be and, le- and live holy lives. And we also believe that Christ is coming back someday. And part of that return is world evangelism. Mm -hmm. We believe that the return of Christ is tied in some divine way to reaching the lost for Christ. So we strive to reach out to the world and see people saved, see the kingdom expanded, see uh, people brought in, and then um, look for and long for the return of Christ. You've been listening to Pastor Ken Cluck. He is the pastor over at Alliance Bible Church. You can find them at 2211 Danbury Street. That's up in northeast San Antonio, just outside Loop 410, off of Broadway. Am I correct? Correct. Off of Broadway. Um, and uh, if you want to get a hold of Pastor Ken and talk to him maybe a little bit more about some of the things that he's been talking about so far, you can reach him at 210-824-5151. If you'd rather go online and find out some more information about the church, the ministry, and the things that are going on there, 
you can do that as well by by logging on to abcsa.org. Um, Pastor, you mentioned a little while ago you talked about uh, expository teaching versus topical. What's your what's your do you use a little bit of both or I, t- you, I tend to be an expository yeah. preacher. Um, I do more teaching than preaching. I and for someone that might not understand what that is, you can explain that. Trying to take a passage, um, to take the passage apart, look at all the facets of it, and get out of it its true meaning, and it's the meaning that was intended by the original speaker, mm-hmm. author, actor, who at whatever's going on in the passage, um, rather than simply trying to take and use it to springboard into some other discussion. It is to actually try to find out what was the intended um, the intended message in the passage by the author of the passage. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to do that. I usually preach um, series. I don't. Um, I don't like to take just one subject and bounce around because I've found historically we pastors are like all human beings. We have certain things that we like to preach, certain things that we don't like to preach. And if I allow myself to just simply jump around, I, I have the danger of just hitting on the things I like and finding it convenient to skip over the things I don't like. So I tend to say I'll preach this book straight through, mm-hmm. you know, bit at a time. I don't, you know, I wouldn't try preaching a whole chapter always. It's whatever is a single thought yeah. piece in that chapter. If it's a paragraph, if it's a sentence, if it's a couple verses. And then, like, for the, for the last couple of years, I've been preaching mostly um, chronologically through the life of Christ. So Excellent. I've found that the first thing we Christians need to know is who is Jesus, and it really helps in knowing Jesus, knowing what he did, and knowing it in a way that we usually don't get from the Gospels. From, write, from reading just a single Gospel, you only get part of the story. John himself said that all the events that Jesus, all the things Jesus did could not fit in all the world's books. Mm-hmm. So we need more than one gospel. You see but, the variation between them. There, there are a lot do. of similarities, but there's some you variation. See the similarities, you see variation. And sometimes those variations are a little more obvious or a little more understandable if you look in chronological order what was happening. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes you find out that what happened before helps to explain why we see here this going on, mm-hmm. um, why we see things happening in the life of Jesus. Would why you, did he do this? Well, sometimes it's related to what just happened previously. And you don't get that if you only see how maybe Luke records it. But if you look at how Matthew records it, you see the event before. So by going chronologically, it helps us to understand a little better some of the events in Christ's life. Uh, Would you recommend that people buy a chronological Bible and read it as a book? The chronological Bible can be interesting. I use a uh, I use a book. I forget the author who gives the uh, he gives a chronological guideline to the Gospels, only the four Gospels. Okay. And it's useful, but I find there are some places in there I disagree with him, mm-hmm. um, which I do with everything. I always tell people if I ever find a Christian author that I agree with on everything, I'm going to have myself committed for talking to myself. Because <laughs> um, that's be the only book. way it'll happen. It'll be your book, yeah. <laughs> probably. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This guy's good, yeah. Yeah, it was me. <laughs> even yeah. then, I think I'd argue with the author, yeah. even if it was me. Um, but I use one, and it's useful. And a chronological Bible can be nice. Um, it's very interesting to read the events of the Old Testament in chronolo- chronological order. Mm-hmm. Those uh, events, um, it can actually be quite informative to mm-hmm. look and see what happened before what. Yeah. Um, problem is some of the speculation on what goes before what where, so it yeah. can be confusing sometimes. All right, well, let's get back to, to sure. your church. Uh, what are the uh, different departments you've got? Uh, I know that you've got VBS. and Well, uh, we diff- have 
for ministries, we have uh, we have our Sunday morning me- meeting time where we meet together for worship. Um, that's primarily it's fairly traditional along Protestant lines, um, very similar to what you'd see in most churches. We have a, uh, um, a gentleman who loves the Lord and loves to lead worship, and he plays guitar and leads us in worship. Mm-hmm. We are working on trying to expand that someday into a little more. We have. Uh, Regular time of teaching, regular time of uh, singing worship and praise. Wednesday, we do prayer and Bible study. We have children's church for the children on Sunday morning during the sermon time because quite often, since I do expository preaching, sometimes the subjects aren't appropriate for children or sometimes it's just a little too deep. So we send the children in with uh, children's church during the sermon time. Um, Then we have... uh, This is every Sunday or Every Sunday. Every Sunday. On Wednesday, we do our prayer and Bible study time. Right now, we've been studying uh, chronologically the books of Paul as they happened in the book of Acts. Nice. As he wrote the books, I like to take and look at here's what was going on in Paul's life. Now, this is the letter he wrote. Mm. And you begin to see some more light on some of the things. Like, why did Paul say, when I first came to you, Corinthians, I came with fear and trembling? Mm. Well, look what had just happened to him in Athens. He had been yeah. ridiculed. Philippi had been beaten and all these other things. Well, of course he's scared when he shows it, up. It puts all the pieces of the puzzle it together. Helps to see, it helps to see a little more. And it also <laughs> makes Paul a little more human. We, sure. we begin to realize he's not some super Christian that's doing all these things that we can't do. No, mm-hmm. he's a human being who's being obedient to God. God just happened to send him into places that we may never experience. Yeah. But in those situations, God can equip us to do it too. Mm-hmm. So that's why you know I teach that way on that. Then with uh, um, other times, we have Sunday school, Sunday morning, um, 945. We don't have anything Sunday evening right now. We have an Ethiopian church using our facility on Sunday evening. Um, real fun group of people. They're Ethiopian uh, immigrants here in mm-hmm. San Antonio that come together and worship there. Great. And they're a good group to get to know. So Awesome. That's the things we have going at the church. We're working on a few other things, but... Very good. In the Lord's time. Are you guys doing VBS this, uh, this summer? We are doing a VBS. Um, we have a VBS this summer. Um, it is the week... Of, let me look at my calendar. I can't believe I didn't think to look at that before I came in here. The uh, VBS is the week of... Do you normally have it the, something in the morning or in the evening? Um, we normally have it in the morning. Mm-hmm. It is the week of the 25th through the 29th. Of June or of July? Of June. June, okay. Of June. Um, but you can call the church for more, inf- more information and look on our church website. It has the uh, the information. That's abcsa.org. Uh, yeah, Alliance Bible Church, San Antonio.org, so abcsa.org. So what, is, what are some of the things that you see coming up? Uh, I know it's kind of hard to maybe look way up ahead, but what do you see God doing in um, at the church and with the people there? If I do some so-called holy dreaming, um, I would like to see more in the way of events going on in the homes. Mm-hmm. I spent four years working with what's sometimes referred to as simple church, as home churches, and I really like the uh, church events happening in living rooms. Not so much along the formalized cell lines, cell church lines, yeah. but a little more to where the uh, individual activities in the home are actually seen as being legitimate church activities not just this is part of the church operating here but this is the church functioning where within those home churches you begin to or those home groups 
you begin to see people coming up in ministry and you know being brought up by the Lord into different types of ministry and and using the gifts that God give them gives them right there in that setting rather than it simply being a way to how do we funnel people from the neighborhoods into the church building mm-hmm. focusing things more on what's going on in the homes of our believers being the church in the community being the church in the community outside of the walls of the building yeah i'm a firm believer that the church building is not the church when i mm. tell people close your eyes and imagine church most americans imagine a little white square building with a che- with a, a, a steeple and uh, you know, like a chapel type setting. And I don't imagine church that way. The church mm-hmm. in the New Testament is the people. That's right. Um, there's nothing sacred, nothing sanctified, nothing holy about the structure. It's just a tool we use. Mm-hmm. Um, and how we set it up and how we use it is really up to us. Mm-hmm. Um, the church is the people, though. And so how it functions is determined by the New Testament and what the New Testament gives us. Right. So the people should function according to that. Very good. Any closing comments, Pastor? Um, welcome everybody to come check us out, see, uh, see what they think. If you are a person who likes to hide in the crowd and not be seen and, uh, just kind of come in and go out, you're not going to be comfortable. If you like to get in, roll your sleeves up, be involved, be active and actually be seen as a member of the ministry, as a part of the essential function of a church, then I couldn't think of a better place right now. All right. Well, on behalf of AM630 KSLR, we'd like to welcome you, our listener, to come out and uh, check out uh, Lions Bible Church. Go up there and meet Pastor Ken Cluck in person. Let him know that you heard him here on the station. The address, again, is uh, 2211 Danbury Street. That's in northeast San Antonio, right outside Loop 410 off of Broadway. If you'd like to give them a call, you can do so at 210-824-5151. The web address, once again, is abcsa.org. Sunday morning, Sunday school is uh, held there at 9.45 a.m., and then the Sunday morning worship begins at 11 a.m., and the midweek service, the prayer and Bible study, is on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Pastor, we want to thank you so much for being out here. We appreciate you. Me. Thank you for the service to the community and uh, for expanding the kingdom of God. Thank you for joining us today as we featured the AM630 KSLR Church of the Week. We hope that during this past half hour, you've got a chance to get to know the pastor and learn something about their church. We encourage you to get involved in your local community church. If you would like to nominate your pastor to be featured on an upcoming Church of the Week program, submit your nominations at kslr.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.